thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com you're listening to the john dipetro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm while he was finally in court brian walsh and we're learning a lot more about his actions with his wife missing let's pick it up this is brian walsh in court in Quincy regarding facing murder charges, his wife, Anna Walsh. You're also charged with returning the body, did without lawful authority, did willfully dig up or remove human remains. Not guilty, please will be entered. Do you understand those charges, Mr. Walsh? I do. Yes, thank you, Your Honor. Um, we're not contesting bail or probable cause, so we would ask that you be released. Thank you, Ms. Minor, but I have to satisfy myself with probable cause. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Lynn Beeland for the Commonwealth. The defendant is now before the court charged with murder of his wife, Anna Walsh, as well as dysentery of a body. Anna was 39 years old and the mother of three children, two, four, and six. Anna worked in Washington, D.C., splitting her time weekdays between D.C. during the week and uh, staying in her house in Cohasset, where she lived with the defendant and their three kids. On January 4th of 2023, Cohasset police received um, a call from her Washington, D.C. employee indicating that she was missing. Um, she was due to report uh, to work on January 4th, but did not appear. She had a flight on January 3rd from Logan to D.C., which she did not board. Cahasset police went to their house at Chief Justice Cushing Highway for a well-being check. It was only at this time, well, when they met with the defendant, that he first reported his wife missing. Defendant stated his wife left the house at approximately 6 a.m. on January 1st, New Year's Day. He stated she took an Uber or a lift uh, to go to the airport, that she was turning to D.C. for work. Records were checked, and there were no Uber or lifts to that house on January 1st. Defendant said he had not spoken uh, to his wife since the early morning hours on New Year's Day. Cahasset police were granted permission to ping um, on his phone to locate her or her phone. Anna's phone indicated that it was stationary in the area of the Cahasset house on New Year's Eve until 3.14 a.m. on January 2nd. There were no outgoing calls made at that time, and at 3.14 a.m. on the 2nd, it was turned off. Defendant stated Anna should have been wearing a dress, a black jacket, hunter boots, watch, ring, as well as carrying a Prada purse. Defendant gave a timeline of 6 or 6.10 a.m. on the first when he last saw her. What I'd like to do now is just describe his actions on the days from January 1st. Defendant indicated on January 1st uh, at 3 p.m. he did some errands and went to his mother's house in Swampscott, but lost. Um, because he didn't have his phone. He said he knew it was lost when he saw the pirate ship on Route 1. Defendant stayed, stayed 15 minutes, then went to Whole Foods and CVS. Surveillance was checked, and he did not enter either of those stores. 
on January 1st, defendant Googled using his son's iPad. Some of the searches are as follows. Keep in mind that the defendant said he left at 6 a.m. At 4.55 a.m. on January 1st, he searched how long before a body starts to smell. At 4.58 a.m., how to stop a body from decomposing. At 5.20 a.m., he searched how to bound a body. At 5.47 a.m., 10 ways to dispose, dispose of a dead body if you really need to. At 6.25 a.m. on the 1st, how long for someone to be missing to inherit. At 6.34 a.m. on the 1st, can we throw away body parts? At 9.29 a.m., what does formaldehyde do? At 9.34 a.m. on the 1st, how long does DNA last? At 9.59 a.m., can identification be made on partial remains? At 11.34 a.m., disenmemberment and the best ways to dispose of a body. At 11.44, how to clean blood from wooden floor. At 11.56 on the 1st, luminol to detect blood. At 1.08, what happens when you put body parts in ammonia? At 1.21 p.m., is it better to throw crime scene clothes away or wash them? Those were on the January 1st. There was also information gained from the defendant's phone, which showed on January 2nd he was at Home uh, Goods in Norwell, where he purchased three rugs. There were also more Google searches on January 2nd. At 12.45 p.m., uh, Pat saw best two to dismember. At 1.10 p.m., can you be charged with murder without a body? At 1.14 p.m., can you identify a body without, with broken teeth? On January 2nd, following those, uh, the defendant uh, was seen on surveillance at the Home Depot in Rockland. In checking on surveillance, the defendant is observed on a security camera pushing a cart. Items included cleaning products, mops, brushes, tape, towel, type, um, a Tyrex suit with boot covers, buckets, garments, baking soda, a hatchet. He had a face mask and rubber gloves on at the time he was pushing the cart in Home uh, Depot. At 5.32, he was seen at the Jordan Street and Hang on, now removing gloves and a mask. Uh, data from his phone also tracked his whereabouts on January 3rd. Uh, locations uh, were traveled at 427 on January 3rd to an apartment complex in Abington. Surveillance shows the defendant's Volvo, as well as a male fitting the defendant's appearance, exit a car near the dumpster. He walks to the dumpster carrying a garbage bag. He's leaning, and it appears to be heavy as he has to heft it, heft it into the dumpster. He walks to the dumpster with the uh, garbage bag uh, and leaves it. On 4.48, we hit another complex in Abington, and at 5.10 p.m., cell phone shows records at another apartment in Brockton. Video shows um, a party consistent with uh, his appearance and his verbal. Again, he discarded items in the dumpster. On January 3rd, that same day, at 1.02 p.m., he did some more uh, Google searches. What happens to here on a dead body? At 1.13 p.m., what is the rate of decomposition of a body found in a plastic bag compared to on a surface in the woods. At 1.20 p.m., 
can baking soda mask or make a body smell good. On January 4th, uh, the following day, the defendant went to Home Goods and TJ Maxx. He purchased towels as well as bath mats and men's clothing. At 4.15 that day on the 4th, he went to Lowe's where he purchased squeegees and a trash can. On January 4th, when Cassett police went to the house uh, on the well-being check, officers observed his Volvo with seats down and a plastic liner in the back of the car. The next day, a view of the Volvo showed his seats folded down, floor mats with some dirt, and the carpet appeared to show fresh vacuum streaks. When asked about the liner, the defendant said he threw it in the trash. Chemists uh, later uh, analyzed the car and it was present flight in the car. On January 5th, a review of the data from the defendant's phone showed his phone traveled at 8 a.m. first Tuesday here and then to Swampstead, where his mother resides. The phone traveled to the complex where his mother lives at 9.30 a.m., went for about five minutes around the building to the southeast corner. In the southeast corner of that complex uh, is where there was a dumpster. The dumpster was later uh, secured and searched. On January 8th, police and crime scene services searched the house in Cahasset. They found blood in the basement, a knife with the presence of blood. The knife was damaged. A second knife was also found in that basement. In addition, there was heavy-duty large top plastic liners purchased from that Home Depot trip. As part of the investigation, uh, police checked for activity on honest credit cards, banks, flights, trains. There was no activity um, since she was last seen on January 1st. Uh, police also tried to track down what happened to the bags that the defendant was seen throwing in the dumpster earlier. Um, this was over in Abington. These bags and what was in them were already picked up and taken to a location for shredding and being incinerated. By the time police located that, they were already destroyed. However, investigators did secure and search the dumpsters from uh, defendant's mother's complex in Swampskit. It was searched at a transfer station in Peabody. Investigators recovered 10 trash bags. Inside the trash bags, many of these items contained uh, stains uh, consistent with blood, infected water. Among the items secured were towels, rags, slippers, tape, high-back suit, gloves, cleaning agents, carpets, rugs, hunter boots, product purse, a COVID-19 vaccine card in the name of Lana Walsh, a hacksaw, a hatchet, and some cutting shears. The purse and boots were described as what Anna was last seen in. A portion of the rug was heavily stained with red-brown stains. The substance was consistent with also having baking soda on. There was a portion of a necklace consistent with one that Anna had been seen wearing in photos. The state crime lab performed testing on a certain selected items that were uh, recovered from those trash bags. There was human blood on found, found on them, and then they were sent for DNA testing. The findings were as follows. On the slippers in the interior, Anna and Brian Walsh were contributors to the DNA on those slippers, which had blood on them. On the exterior, Anna and Brian Walsh contributed to the DNA found on those slippers. The Tyvek suit. On the interior cuffs, Anna and Brian Walsh contributed to the DNA that was left on them. On the exterior, partially, 
On the exterior left hand leg, Anna Walsh was a contributor to the DNA. On the interior right sleeve, Anna Walsh was a, a, a contributor to the DNA that was found on the Tyrex uh, suit. There was tissues which found that Anna Walsh contributed to the DNA. Uh, there was one other earlier Google search, which would be a note. On December 27th, defendant Googled, what's the best state to divorce for a man? Rather than divorce, it was believed that Ryan Walsh dismembered Anna Walsh and discarded her body. The bags were later discarded in Swampscott and contained uh, Anna's property and the items used to clean up, as well as the DNA that was left behind. The Commonwealth is asking that the defendant be held without bail for the money of his wife. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Can we be heard at all? No, Your Honor. Thank you. All right. The defendant will be held without bail uh, pending indictment. Uh, can we have a date for probable cause? Or are you feeling that you reserve time for the grand jury? Not at this time, but I will. Um, Your Honor, we have a uh, date of February 7th already for the Mercedes Police. Oh, February 9th, I apologize. Uh, if we want to put on the status on that day. And that's by Zoom, Your Honor, correct? By Zoom. Yes, thank you. Status date or probable cause date? Status date is fine. Okay. February 9th for status, please. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. So, sir, you held without bail until February 9th, 2023, for a status date. That's what it sounded like in court. It's gruesome. Boy, they have a solid case. There's a lot to unpack there, as they say, so to speak. Starting with the, you know, Googling how long before you can inherit. This was over the money. This business of divorce. It sounds like divorce was pending. I learned from some of her friends in D.C. She was going to bring her three young boys with her to D.C., he came up with an alternate plan, and that was to kill her in the early morning hours of New Year's Day. That is remarkable that when the police went on the well-being check, there's the Volvo with the seats down and a plastic liner there. What's unfortunate is that the police did not, right there, start asking questions about that. He then vacuumed the car they still found her blood in the car the searches are very damning it sounds like he was able to get rid of her body parts in brockton and abington these different dumpsters also though they did find her covid card amongst other items so again that's brian walsh you get good insight as to what he did in the aftermath of that how to get blood out of a wood floor so who knows exactly what happened we don't know where the wood floor is but and the whole business of well there's a lot there's a lot that you just heard there again that is the murder charge on brian walsh you're listening to the john DePietro show Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, 
It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 folks you're listening to the John DePietro show we pace we start at 11 we go until 2 it's a in 1380 99.9 fm can always listen online at our website, Petro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert, Rhode Island attorney, Tim Dodd. And Tim, uh, let's start off. Very dramatic day in that courtroom. Uh, they brought the murder charge against Brian Walsh and also transporting of a body. It was, um, to say the least, I mean, it is. it was so grisly the way they mapped it out. Curious to hear your thoughts as to what seemingly could be the biggest problem. It, it should be noted, Tracy Minor, his attorney, she issued a statement saying to the media, don't contact me, but they're going to mount fence in this case. But let's just start off with what was a uh, very dramatic day in court. Yeah, well, it was a very dramatic day. I mean, we're learning lots of information about the defendant's movements, um, you know, in that time period after Anna Walsh went missing, um, and it's it's tr- it's truly stunning. I mean, this guy was not the best criminal, apparently. No. I mean, there are um, confiscated um, laptops, I guess, and he's, as we all know, gone online to say what's the best way to dispose of a hundred and fifteen pound body. But yeah. there's others. How long does it take for a body to start to um, smell? Yep. Um, What's the 10 best ways to dispose of a body? I mean, the, the list goes on and on about all the places he went online um, looking for specific advice on disposing of a body. Now, in addition to that, he, he threw, the, they have about, I think, 10 uh, garbage bags full of yep. um, evidence. They've got... Um, clothes with blood on it, like rags and other towels with blood on it. Um, her clothing, I believe her boots, um, her COVID card, um, what purports to be some of his blood and some of her blood. Um, they don't have a body and they may never get a body. And there's, you know, the old adage, you know, it's hard to convict somebody of murder if you don't have a party, a a body, excuse me. But they've got so much other corroborating evidence about this guy's movements, his lies to the authorities, his research on disposing of a body. Um, It's pretty compelling. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they don't have a body. So. A lot will depend on what the um, the lab results are about all of the material that was found in these garbage bags. Um, 
how the the blood on the towels and the clothing and the other um, instruments, the saw, the knife, etc., um, that's going to um, go a long way if it's if it's shown to be her blood and his blood, right? In such a volume, I mean, they live together. I mean, that can occur, but not with the volume of material that we're led to believe the cops have um, found. Now, you brought up, John, the point of his attorney yeah. uh, in her press release saying, I'm not going to argue this case in the media. You yep. can charge anyone with anything. Proving it in court is quite a different story. And we intend to challenge every aspect of this case in a courtroom, not in the newspapers, not in the media. And right. as you say, she's not going to give statements. She's not going to give interviews. She's not going to do any of that. So as we look at this case, it looks pretty bad for the husband. I mean, the, the volume of um, suspicious activity and the volume of what we presume is going to be um, DNA evidence um, you would think that the guy is toast. But as with so many other cases, we look to OJ as the bench, the OJ case is the benchmark for how what we think is a slam dunk case can go off the rails. So like every other DNA case, um, the defense manner of collection, the chain of custody, the lab uh, analysis, I'm sure, um, this guy has hired himself a very fine criminal defense lawyer. Sure. I don't know how much money is available for her to hire experts, but you know that they're going to do their own uh, forensic analysis. They're going to want to have their own people go through this um, physical evidence for DNA information. Um, so it's going to be probably largely a science case. Right. Um, and if there's problems, let's assume the chain of custody, there's a problem and that evidence is excluded. Well, if you don't have that DNA and that blood evidence, if it was improperly co collected, and I'm just using that as an example, that can gut the government's case. So it's not an obvious defense for what you may think occurs. But this is going to be challenging every scrap of evidence the state intends to put in. And the, the job will be for defense counsel to keep as much of it out as is humanly possible. Because the less of it that gets in in front of a jury, the harder it's going to be to convict this guy. Right. Tim Dodd, what about the charge of uh, like transporting a, a body and, and so forth? Um, it, it, is that... I mean, again, is that another charge that ties in with the fact of what they found in the dumpster? I, I presume so. I mean, yeah. this, the, the, the hypothesis right now is that he was efficient in, um, I guess, um, dismembering her, yeah. putting her in oh. with, with the trash, if you will, and that the speculation is that her remains may well have been incinerated at this juncture and they may never be able to recover her body because if it was incinerated, 
and it's no longer available. And if that occurred before the cops could go find her or pieces of her, then there may never be a body. But she wound up somewhere and she wasn't in the house. Right. Um, but without a body or pieces of her body, it's going to be difficult to prove that he transported her somewhere. Yes. Tim Don, what about um, the Google searches on the, on the son's iPad? Do you, should we look at this that, you know, maybe someone could try to explain that away if you didn't have the other stuff. But it, it, it sure sounds with what they laid out today in court that they seem to have a pretty good timeline to work off of what his actions were, what his movements were, and that leads you to the conclusion that he he killed her in the house and then he dismembered and then got rid of the body. Well, that that's what the timeline in the, um, the offer of proof that the state um, offered in court would lead yep. you to believe. I mean, and when you look at all the different websites that he went on to, which were all specific about how do you dismember a body? How do you dispose yeah. of a body? How long before a body starts to um, emit an odor? Yeah. Um, it would all be consistent with a guy trying to figure out how to get a corpse out of his house. Right. And what about um, he initially told the authorities that, that you know, no, no, she, she left and she took uh, like an Uber or a Lyft to Logan Airport and she had to go back to washington dc it it sounds like he also kind of locked in on you know she they mentioned her social media is quiet she hasn't used any credit cards um her phone was still pinging at the house but then it, it's not pinging so it 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 sounds as if he also kind of locked himself into a, a, a an alibi if you will that he's still the last one that saw her alive but his alibi or story of where he was saying she went, it, it just, there's no way that it adds up. No, none of it adds up. And, you know, no. he, he told the cops that he went to a CVS and he told the cops that right. he went to Whole buy Foods. Whole Foods yeah. to buy stuff for his mother. And there's no evidence of him making any purchases there. There's no evidence of him being in either of those stores uh, based upon the um, surveillance cameras. So, just because you lie doesn't mean you killed your wife, but it's, right. it's the, it's this, all of this stuff piles up. Mm. Um, you know, he lied about her getting on a plane. He lied about getting her a, a, a ride service to take her to the airport. Uh, he came up with a preposterous story to account for the time that he was not where he was supposed to be, that he was driving to his mother's house. Yeah, and he lost. got lost. I yeah. mean, that's not even plausible. No. And he put himself right, in Swampscott, where apparently they they got the stuff for the dumpster. Now, Tim, <laughs> do you think does this does this become a trial? I mean, I I mean, who who knows? It it sounds like it's going to be a long process in going through all the evidence. And in fact, again, um, I think the family does have some money, but if he's going to um, be able to, it, it, does this see a courtroom? Because it it sounds like he's. I, I, there's certainly no deal here, that's for sure. No, I don't think there's a deal here. And, you know, he seemed to um, act... He, uh, he's not a very good criminal, but he acted in a way that was logical 
in terms of trying to cover his tracks, even though it was really not well done. Um, So I don't think he will, at the end of the day, have an insanity defense. I don't think he'll have a diminished capacity defense. I don't think any of that will be available to him. The only way this goes to trial is if the defense, as we said earlier, has enough information, scientific information, to go after the physical evidence and the DNA testing and see if they can keep that stuff from coming into evidence. Because without a body, and if they keep out the DNA evidence, or can at least challenge it, in much the same way that OJ challenged the collection and the results, um, you know, that's the only way this actually, I think, would ever go to trial without this guy taking some sort of a deal. Um, It's, um, you know, this case um, coming right on the heels of the um, Idaho case. Yeah. uh, it, It really among other things, this points out how much surveillance material is out yeah, there. There's cameras right. everywhere. There's videos everywhere. Your phone is tracking you and spying on you every yeah. second of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime you use your computer, you can be tracked. Mm. Um, People just don't realize so that. <laughs> for criminals out there, I mean, there's so yeah, many ways to, to trip up. One, one more question. Can he sell their house in D.C.? I mean, he, he's, can, can he make business transactions while he's awaiting trial? Um, I, there's nothing that would prohibit that unless okay. these, uh, unless um, I don't know what his restitution uh, amount is for the, um, the phony Andy Warhols. Right. And to the extent there could be just like in the OJ case, there was the criminal case, but then there was also a civil trial for money sure. damages. Right. You know, um, the the you know the the trustee for the children might be looking to um, get an order preventing him from selling the house because if he sells the house and uses the money for his own defense, that's an asset that won't be available for the kids. So I would expect the kids will have a court appointed guardian or trustee who might take steps to preserve that asset for their benefit. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. We're speaking The Coesed Inn. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, you and I had discussed at length. It was June of 21, and some teenagers were going to Walmart to get some snacks, and then they were going to pick up a pizza, watch the NBA Finals, and boom, suddenly this guy parks his car, cuts them off, jumps out, and then goes after it. was Officer Dolan. who was an off-duty protective police officer. That case has now landed in court. Um his attorney, I believe, is is trying to argue that it was the kid was going to run him over 
and he had no choice. So let's just pick it up. But again, it is fluid because the trial's going on. But I'd like to uh, hear your thoughts so far on what we've learned on this uh, Officer Dolan case. Well, Dolan has himself a very experienced defense attorney, Mike Colucci. He's tried a lot of cases. He's represented a lot of cops. um, And he's had a fair amount of success. Uh, This this case, I think, is unusually difficult. Um, This cop was off duty. He was in a town where he had no business really being. Um, He creates this confrontation with these young men who are, I think, just going out for a pizza. Yeah. Um, He tries to box their car into a parking lot. They don't know who this guy is. They're like, let's get the heck out of here. He gives chase and ultimately fires a weapon, one shot, but it happens to hit, I believe, the driver in the arm. Correct. Dominic Vincent. Yep. Now, defense counsel said that the officer's actions were all taken with an eye towards, quote unquote, preserving life. Now, that to me seems a stretch that when you're shooting at a car, um, I don't know if he knew how many people were in the car, but he was a good enough shot that he hit one of the occupants. Right. Um, And it's a situation that he largely created. He gave chase. He boxed them in. He chased them again. Um, He created the confrontation. It's not like he had any reason to suspect that these kids had just robbed a convenience store and he was trying to intercept them as they were fleeing. He had no good faith basis for doing this. I think he did it because he seems to be, I mean, I'm speculating, but he seems to have an anger management issue. This is the same guy who um, had a domestic charge for throwing stuff at his wife and his kid and smashing the Um, the car windshield he's had other incidents with inexplicably inexplicable violence rage whatever the case might be and i i would speculate that maybe he this felt he had been disrespected by these kids and he was going to show them who's boss yeah tim dodd what about the prosecutor pointing out he claims he was they were part of like a high-speed police chase but there were there were no other police around uh the element of pulling his weapon and then firing at him and then how much does it also play tim dodd so uh the young teen that then you know got onto the stand and everything he seems to be you know kind of a clean-cut kid they're polite uh had not been in trouble he's not you know he's not some like punk that's taken the stand or someone that's got a long criminal record he's in a a jacket and a tie and by all accounts he he looks like you know a pretty wholesome kid and i think he is i mean i've heard some anecdotal stories about him and i think that what you see is what you get with him um you know in terms of police training is when it's appropriate to um, fire your your service weapon um i'm speculating that the defense bring in a police you know expert on police conduct and training to say what this guy did was consistent with how cops are trained but uh, to this shoot at an occupied vehicle that it didn't appear to be opposing a threat i mean this cop says he thought they were going to come run him over um i don't think the facts line up with that at all 
So, I mean, there's so many situations where the cops shoot in circumstances where it is totally inappropriate. This seems to be one of those situations. I think he's going to be hard-pressed to justify his conduct. Now, why is this case going to trial? Right now, he is suspended without pay. Um, and candidly, I'm not sure. I, I know I don't know if, what the pretrial offer was. Um, there would have been some negotiation between defense counsel and the attorney general's office as to try to plea bargain this case away. Right. Um, and clearly this guy rejected the last best offer that the state made. I simply don't know what that is. I don't know that it's been reported out as to what offer he rejected, but um, he's really rolling the dice going to trial here because I think he's got a very difficult road to hoe. Uh, Tim Dodd, do, do we think that uh, Officer Dolan will take the stand? I think he has to, yeah. to explain his conduct, what he was thinking, what he observed, um, you know, from the f time he first spotted this um, vehicle to giving chase to what happened literally at every point along the way to justify that in his head, in his cop head, what he was subject subjectively um, observing and assessing uh, led to his conduct. Um, again, I think it's a very hard argument to make, and you can be sure that he will be vigorously cross-examined. Uh, again, based on what we know, I think it's an extremely difficult case for this guy. Yeah. Uh, Tim Dodd, finally, what about his decision to have a jury trial instead of uh, a bench trial? Well, it cuts both ways. Mm -hmm. Many times, based upon the nature of the charge, a defendant will choose a bench trial, meaning no jury, just a judge. Many times you'll see, like, for instance, in child molestation cases, in cases, really dreadful cases of that, um, that category, many times the defendant will choose a judge trial, not a jury trial, because no matter what the defenses are, and there could be good defenses uh, from a legal perspective, uh, if it's a molestation case, you know, the danger is the jury's just going to say, well, you know, this defendant sure. should have the book thrown on him. It's, it's a disgusting, deplorable, you know, alleged crime. Right. Um, when you have a bench trial, a trial without a jury, you have, if, if you should lose, you typically have far fewer appellate issues that you can preserve. Um, when you have a trial in front of a jury, um, you're looking to win your case, but you're also looking to create and preserve appellate issues. Uh, so trying to find issues where the judge made an incorrect ruling to either keep evidence out or let evidence in, let witnesses either answer a question or not answer a question, or if the judge's jury instructions are faulty, those are all things that attorneys look at to nitpick what the judge did or didn't do to try to create issues on appeal that if you lose, you take an appeal, maybe you'll get a new trial if the Supreme Court agrees that the judge uh, made substantial errors that could have affected the outcome of the case. So 
have, if you got a jury, you get more appellate issues, no jury, a lot less issues. So that might influence this officer's decision to have a jury. And you know, you're looking not, you're looking perhaps for sympathy for people on that jury to say, you know, boy, what would I have done if I was in that situation? You right. Know, it's, it's, it's nice to be a Monday morning quarterback, but sure. in the heat of the moment, you know, will he have jurors thinking that what he did was not unreasonable? That's what you're playing for. Yeah. Folks, quick break, much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. AtMed Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atment urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atment urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich online at admedurgentcare.net we're speaking with our legal expert it's attorney tim dot tim it is amazing uh here it is january of 2023 we're still talking about january 6th what about this situation where the uh, one rhode island well there were two rhode islanders but one of them who was arrested they believe he was part of a heave ho where they were really trying to get through they uh they picked him up last summer and it sounds like now he has reached a, a plea deal with federal prosecutors well I, I yes he has and it came about very quickly um i'm not sure if it's an open-ended plea or if it's a cap but i don't think that's been made public yet but you know there's so much video of what occurred here. And again, right. this guy was a part of the heave ho um, yeah. contingent who I guess were um, in physical confrontation with some of the Capitol police. Um, when you've got that kind of evidence and when he gets to see what's happened to some of these other guys who have gone to trial and the types of sentences they're getting hit with, if there's a, a guilty verdict, you know, it's probably reasonable to try to control your fate and negotiate your best deal without going in front of a judge and a jury, because the guys that most mostly men so far that do, um, they're getting creamed on sentencing. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds like that, that maybe they have reached something we don't know about jail time, uh, but uh, it sounds like an agreement has been reached. Tim Dodd, what about this uh, attorney general? Peter Nerona held a press conference. And he's charging this Bartlett Heavy Division, two counts of illegal disposal, solid waste, operating a solid waste management facility and uh, providing fake documents to a public official. Well, it seems to me um, the state has a lot of evidence in its possession um, regarding this company. They phonied up um, documents. Um, 
they provided um, material which was not what it was purported to be. Um, the records of what should have been produced versus what was actually produced, it, it seems to me it's all there. Um, now, this is a criminal complaint against the corporation. Um, the principals have already gotten um, involved in their own criminal complications. But this is, it's not the same thing, but this is a corporation being charged criminally, much yeah. like the Trump organization was right. charged criminally. So you can't send a corporation to jail, but if the corporation is found to have uh, knowingly involved itself through its officers, employees, et cetera, in criminal conduct, you know, you can, um, the, the, the defendant criminal corporation can get hit with significant fines and penalties. And I'm sure that's what uh, Peter Nerona is looking for here is to extract ex as much money on a criminal um, perspective as they can from this company, just like the prosecution against the Trump organization. Tim Dodd, um, we talk a lot about these groups that march around and people may not like it, but there's, there's elements of freedom of speech. Uh, what about this case in New Hampshire? So you have these guys, they're identified as members of a hate group. They hung a banner, I believe off an overpass. And now suddenly, I mean, I see people do that all the time, but now they're seemingly going after them saying it's a civil rights violation. Well, yes, this is unique to New Hampshire's civil rights law, and I can't profess to be intimately familiar with the New Hampshire statute. But what happened here is you've got this um, um, white supremacy organization um, and this group uh, we see signs hung over overpasses all the time right. uh, for all kinds of different things, welcoming people back from their military service, you know, um, for or against political candidates. There's all sorts of things that are hung over um, overpasses. This group puts out um, a sign that says I, something like, um, keep New England white. Yeah. Now, um, the attorney general in New Hampshire says that's hate speech and is looking to prosecute um, the people involved in this for hate speech. Now, I think that these white supremacist group, and I think there's also neo-Nazi elements, are as low and deplorable as you can imagine what right. they stand for what they think how they act what they want um couldn't be more wrong and couldn't be more despicable but however however there's the however yes however i find it very uncomfortable yeah that speech in and of itself without anything else attached to it can be this topic of a hate crime. Let's compare, and we've compared many times, the dentist in his neighbor in Barrington, yes. where that was an alleged hate crime with a physical confrontation. Um, I believe there were ethnic slurs that were thrown oh, around. Yeah. And the Even whole though the guy was the, from Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. The whole package, though, of an animus towards a specific group yep. coupled with physical, a physical confrontation. Right. right. 
was more in line with what the elements of a hate crime would be. Now, if somebody says in a banner, keep New England white, um, it's an idiotic thing to be putting on a overpass. Um, right. Is it intended to support what this white supremacist group feels and believes? Of course it is. Yep. But in my view, it's speech and it's free right. speech. And yeah. if, if the thought police and the speech police can say that's wrong, well, what happens next? How about if they put a Trump 2024 and somebody sure. says that's hate speech because Trump's a racist or some right. other thing that they're always throwing around? It's not a great example. But when you start sanctioning people for free speech, for expressing freedom of expression, it's a very slippery slope, especially when you couple what could happen. And again, this keep New England white is a deplorable, despicable thing, but it still, to me, should be protected free speech. Who's to say what's hate speech? Right. Is that hate speech? Look at the whole problem with uh, social media as to what's disinformation. Right. Well, my truth and your disinformation might live in the same universe, but who's the decider to decide what's misinformation, what's truth, you know, what's harmful, what's racist? Um, it's a very dangerous area for governments to try to control speech speech with nothing else but speech right um i'm not comfortable with it yeah you know uh two things about this tim dodd one is it is despicable as was you know the whole flare up with kanye west in the end no one was hit no one was assaulted what he said was highly inflammatory and it was obviously very insulting especially for those that are jewish but it, it wasn't the same as if he went up and hit someone. And I, when we're talking about speech, it sounds like in New Hampshire, they they didn't like what these guys were doing. They didn't like what they were saying, so they found a way to charge him. But Tim Dodd, as you know, the summer 2020, I, I myself, I stood in front of the home on the east side of Providence of Governor Gina Raimondo, and there were Black Lives Matter sta standing there, and they were screaming with the police there, blank the police. Now, it was offensive. It was done in a threatening manner. It was also obscenities. And as you can guess, no one was arrested. Right. But that would not be necessarily hate speech hate spe oh, because okay. it's not directed towards an ethnic group or right. a um, racial group or, you know, a based upon somebody's sexual orientation. Um, so it's a little bit different. It, but... it was still offensive speech. No oh, doubt, but yeah. in, in my, in, in, free speech is a hard thing. You yeah. know, what's the old expression? I might hate what it is that you are saying, but I'll fight to, to the death your right to say it. Sure. And that was the traditional way that America looked at the notion of free speech. I might right. hate what you're saying, but I'll defend your right to say it. Yep. That's a hard thing to do in the mm -hmm. real world and to really live it and um, protect it. And, you know, free speech is our First Amendment. There's a reason the founders made, you know, free speech, freedom of expression, the First Amendment, because they consider it the most important one to protect. 
And it seems to me that a lot of government officials and elected officials aren't protecting it. They're, you know, coming up with all these hate speech arguments, which may be well intended, but um, it's just inconsistent with the notion of the First Amendment. It is. Folks, he is our legal analyst. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always. Uh, some massive, huge developments with the Anna Walsh case and more. And we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. They specialize in patios, walkways, steps they did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401-580-1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, depietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, petro.com And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at petro.com And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, petro.com For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Office is located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401 431-1510 Tom Bryan 
Ameriprise Financial Advisors.